killer on the loose. Can there be a more terrifying reality? The number of people killed every year by guns in this country is steadily climbing. So is the number of homicides linked to gangs. First thing that went through my mind was it was not an accident. Pear was charged with the murder of a UBC lecturer. There are also suspects in the deaths of an American woman and her Australian boyfriend. Pleading guilty this morning to eight counts of first-degree murder. Those murders carried out over a series of seven years. Saskatchewan has the highest rate of domestic violence in the country. Two high-security inmates were snatched from the jail by helicopter. I just know we got a vengeance for police. Some police must have pissed him off somehow or another, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's had this plan for a couple weeks and stuff there. Like, he told his friends a couple weeks ago to the, that it was going to happen and stuff. Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Shelley. And welcome to a new episode of True North Crime. Yes, the podcast where we discuss Canadian crime and usually some element of the law, but not today because I only found out we were doing this and what the topic was today. Yep. Maybe maybe less than an hour ago. <laughs> Entirely my fault. I take full responsibility for that one. I'm glad you can. A lot of people can't own up and take, you know, like own up to their own mistakes, but it's yep. okay. I own them and yep. sometimes I eat them. Mm -hmm. No, really? <laughs> Eat your mistakes and the evidence. Hmm. Is your, if my mistake were cake, I'd be eating it all the time. <laughs> you know, you can make cake into a mistake. I didn't mean for that to rhyme. That was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so how's it been since it's been forever? It has been forever, which is and also, also my fault. your fault. <laughs> yes, I got very busy this summer, which is a good thing because I got to go to a couple of different conferences, Comic one of which took me out of the country. Um, you went so to yeah. Comic-Con. I didn't, I wish, I wish someone would pay me to go to Comic-Con. I was in San Diego, but it was the week before Comic-Con. Right. Sure, sure. You stick with that story. It's a true story. That must have been really fun. So you got to learn things and um, establish a better skill set. I learned a shitload of stuff. Good. And I want to apply it in my work. I'm trying to figure out how to do that. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, at least you got paid to go. Yeah, I sure did. And now I have to fill out an expense report, which I am Yay. not looking forward to. Fun. But you went somewhere fun, by which mm. I mean Welland, Ontario. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't in Welland. It was actually in Sarnia. Thank you very much. I thought you but... went to Welland. No. Oh, okay. No, I was supposed to go to Welland, and then I ended up in Sarnia. Okay. So, yeah, I've been on a lot of boats recently for uh, work. With so... your flippy floppies? Uh, no flippy floppies on these <laughs> boats. They are industrial freighters. So no. Okay. <laughs> so it's like literally I'm standing beside of a conveyor belt that's got like that's taking 57,000 tons of gravel out of it and like could suck me in in like any second. Oh, <laughs> my God. Actually, yeah. Yeah. It's like <laughs> it's it's actually quite amazing. The engineering on these ships. But it's yeah. just like this is like the stuff where they're like you are signing this waiver and then you get on the ship and you're like, well, I can see why I signed that a waiver. waiver. <laughs> Everything on this will kill me. Yeah, pretty much. And, and it's just like, yeah, it was crazy. And it just, yeah, it's been fun, though, because I've also been on like tour boats as well. So I've been on like a couple of fun ferries and during nice days. So you get paid to be on a boat and video a sunset cruise. Okay. Yeah. Not so, not so bad. Good work if you can get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Anyway, so yeah, and then I was been rock climbing a lot. So really, that's what I've been up to. Cool. Mm -hmm. So this week you have chosen something that I hear is not so murdery, which is your usual MO. I know. I thought we'd take a little break from the murder 
and instead talking about John Mark Tillman, art thief and asshole. Wow. Is that on his business card? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, he did. So maybe not. Or not anymore well, at any rate. Yeah, I want to see that business card. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> awesome professional name right there. Yeah. All right. So uh, where, are we, where are we going? We're in we, Canada. Are we? we are going to Fall River, Nova Scotia. Because they're known for their art. <laughs> they are not. No? No, not at no all. Go- no Guggenheims over there? <laughs> not to my knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> so our story begins with Tillman's death, which happened in December of 2018. So, like, not even a year ago. And when retired RCMP Constable Brian Carter got a phone call with the news of Tillman's passing, he felt like it was a Christmas present. Mm, that's nice. <laughs> like, what a lovely gift. I, <laughs> I guess that's like a policeman's <laughs> thing. Well, this guy was not well liked. Okay. So at first, when Brian heard the news, he th- doubted that it was true, thinking Tillman had actually faked his own death. Mm-hmm. Uh, but turns out the man was really dead. And Brian, along with a bunch of other people, could breathe a little easier. And one of those other people was an ex-girlfriend whose name can't be published, so we will call her Carol. Okay. Carol dated Tillman in 2008, and she ended the relationship when things turned sour between them. Mm -hmm. And Carol was ready to move on. Tillman didn't handle rejection well. Oh, was he like a sociopath, like narcissist, kind of like, you can't leave me kind of guy? Well, here's what he did. So he shows up at her apartment, punches her, kicks her, spits on her. Oh, lovely. Then forces her to withdraw money to pay him back for all the time and money that he wasted on her while they were dating. Wow. Yeah. Nice guy. Oh, I thought like a... I thought a Twitter attack would be enough. <laughs> nope. Not oh. this guy. So she, Carol spent years in therapy because of Tillman. And when she found out that he died, she threw a party. Oh, I would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Do you know anyone that you would throw a party for if they died? I don't. No, I don't. I mean, mm-hmm. there are people who I don't like and don't get along with, but nobody that bad. I have one person on my list. Do you? Yeah. Anyway, go on. Okay. <laughs> it's not it's not you, so that's, go ahead. That's all I care about, that it's not me. <laughs> go on. <laughs> so as for Constable Brian Carter, he told the CBC, I feared him, and I have no qualms telling you that because there are people you should fear. Remember, this guy was a cop. Brian and Tillman were neighbors, and Tillman hated cops, so he menaced Brian, he vandalized his property, and he stalked him. So Brian tells a story about how Tillman would sit in his canoe at night near Brian's shoreline and watch his house. Oh. And this is super creepy. Brian says he would shine his light like out into the reeds or whatever, and he'd find Tillman sitting there watching. Oh, that's so creepy. How creepy is that? Yeah. So Brian was actually registered with a parole board because he's one of Tillman's victims. Mm-hmm. And when Tillman came up for parole, Brian showed up at the hearing, and only one other person was there, and Brian thinks it's because everybody else stayed away because they were afraid of him. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how bad this guy was. They wouldn't even show up to his parole hearing. Wow. 
Yeah. To speak against him. Mm-hmm. So, of course, like, he got paroled. Anyway, in addition to hating cops, Tillman also hated women, minorities, and Jews. Oh. He's a... <laughs> I was going to say something actually pretty politically incorrect. Never mind. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Keep it to yourself. Tell me later. Should I just say it? Just say it. I was like, oh, he sounds like a Trump supporter. <laughs> well, he actually... <laughs> He campaigned for the Reform Party in the oh, 90s. Exactly. <laughs> so there you go. Okay. All right. I wasn't that far off. In 1999, Tillman lobbied to have the creek near his house renamed Tillman Brook, which was meant to upset any Jewish people in the area. He had a photo taken of himself standing next to the creek sign making a Nazi salute. Lovely. To quote Tillman, there's a Jew who lives near here. It's an appropriate name to put near him. Okay. Because it's German, I guess. So Mm. Jewish people just have a naturally poor reaction to German names. Not true, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Because there's no Jews left in Germany ever anymore. (laughs) Or Austria. Right. Or anywhere else. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. So what did this guy do? Uh, Apart from just being a generalized asshole. Right. Wow, you weren't kidding about the asshole. No, I wasn't. He stole stuff. He stole a lot of stuff. Art and antiques, mostly. And no one really even knew about it until a traffic stop in 2012 led the cops to his house, which was crammed full of stuff that he had stolen over the years. Like, we're talking a good 20 years of thieving. Wow. So he was good at it, usually. Yeah. In 2012, Tillman was under house arrest for writing a forged check, and he wasn't allowed to leave his house before 1 o'clock in the afternoon, but he was seen stopped at a stop sign at 12.52, and the person who saw him was Constable Kristen Bradley, who was actually on his way to Tillman's house to make sure that he hadn't left the house. (laughs) That he hadn't left the house. Nice. Busted. Busted. Yeah. So Bradley pulls him over, arrests him, and then he has a look through his car. And in the car, he finds a suspicious looking check for $1,500 and a letter in a plastic sleeve dated to May 19th, 1758. So the letter, it turns out, was written by one James Wolfe. Oh, like the James Wolfe? Yes. Yeah. So, for those of you who don't know, Wolfe was a British officer who helped lead the Siege of Louisbourg, and he defeated the French in the Battle of the Plains of Abraham. The Abraham, yeah, like the Wolfe. The General Wolfe, yes. Wow. And also died in the battle. So, wait, not only are you getting law today, you're also getting history. Well, the history lesson, I guess, makes up for the lack of the law The law, yeah. (laughs) All right, so go on. So he has a letter from James Wolfe. So he has a letter from James Wolfe. Yeah, so Constable Bradley wondered if Tillman had more stolen stuff at home. uh, Because clearly this letter did not belong to him. Mm -hmm. And so the police got a warrant to search the place in early 2013. And in addition to being full of Nazi paraphernalia, Mm -hmm. it was crammed full of loot, including a whole suit of armor. (laughs) Okay. And a watercolor of the Nova Scotia Legislature Building from the year it opened, which was in 1819. And it's still the Legislature Building today. 
Wow. Police also searched Tillman's son's house, and in and there they found a letter from George Washington in which he commissions a man to spy in Canada. But no way. That's <laughs> totally. crazy. <laughs> yeah, true story. That is super cool. I want to hear more about that story. I know. I've this cr- podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so John Mark Tillman, he grew up in Fall River, Nova Scotia, which is outside of Halifax. And he was bright, maybe even a bit of a genius, but he had sticky fingers. He shoplift chocolate bars, and everyone thought it was super neat how he didn't get caught. After he grew, grew up a bit, as I said, <laughs> got involved with the Reform Party. Right. In the 90s. So it gives you a sense of his character. He went to Mount St. Vincent University, which is a place I'd never heard of. It is a public university in Halifax, uh, often referred to as the Mount. Um, and this might be where he grew more interested in white supremacy because I don't think it's something that he really grew up with at home. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if... Well, they say hatred is learned, so... That's true, yeah. So as a kid, he loved history, and his love of history extended to antiques. But when he started going to antique shops and he couldn't afford what he wanted to buy, he would just... Take it. Deal it, yeah, exactly. Take it for himself. And Tillman was slick. He had accomplices. The first of whom was his own mother, said Tillman, yeah, of his mom. Being a little old lady, she was trustworthy. My mother would take shopkeepers into another room, and they'd be so busy engaged in conversation that I could have walked out with probably whatever I wanted. And this is exactly how Tillman was able to steal that suit of armor that he had (laughs) in his home. Just, you think that guy would notice it, although you have to, you don't know. Sometimes, like, these things are chock a block full of stuff. So, hey. well, the way so the guy was distracted, he admits because he remembers kind of uh, around the time it was stolen, he was distracted by somebody else. I don't think it was his mother, he had a bunch of accomplices over his career. Mm-hmm. And he's like, The suit of armor, it was a movie prop. It does, he's like, It doesn't make noise unless you're wearing it, right? So, if you just take it out piece by piece. No one's going to hear. Right. And no one's going to know. So after graduating university, Tillman moved to Russia because why not move to Russia? Okay. Uh, There he learned to speak Russian and he met Katya Anastasia Zhestakova. Wow. It's a mouthful. Likely his... I know, but that's also like a super Russian name. So Russian. Okay. (laughs) Likely his thieving continued... And it's possible the two of them worked together with her brother, stealing from museums in Russia and elsewhere. I think this is a little bit of conjecture, mythologizing, mm-hmm. just to make him seem sort of grander than more he is. prolific. Yeah, exactly. After his sojourn in Russia, Tillman and Katya returned to Nova Scotia. They got married, and then he incorporated his own business called Prussia Import and Export Inc. Okay. All right, quoting Tillman, I had designs of using the company as a front to clean some of the money because at this point we were starting to accumulate a lot. Okay. (laughs) So part of Tillman's MO was to befriend antique dealers and archivists. Ken Bizanson, Bizanson, my apologies to Ken for butchering his last name. name. (laughs) He owned an antique shop that Tillman stole from. And he never once suspect him, suspected him. Over 15 years, Tillman bought and sold stuff to Ken. Quoting Ken, I would, 
Uh, he could pass himself off as a scholarly type. He was sophisticated. He wore designer labels. I called him Mr. GQ. And if anyone ever wondered where Tillman got his money, because dealing in antiques isn't likely to make anybody rich, yep. he had a story ready to go. He owned and operated a small gold mine on his property. Oh. Which is bullshit, of course. As you do. <laughs> You're just lucky. Yeah. Uh, Tillman was clever, stealing only one or two things at a time to avoid suspicion. He and his mother started thieving in and around Halifax. Then they moved on to Cape Breton. They expanded into PEI in New Brunswick and even traveled as far west as Cornwall, Ontario. Hmm. I don't know if he hid any places in Quebec. <laughs> There's a whole <laughs> province between New Brunswick and Ontario. I know, right? Maybe it was like he was also like, I don't like Jews or French people. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so just stay the hell out of Quebec. Exactly. You don't speak English. But then I was like, wait a minute, but mm, it doesn't. <laughs> Doesn't jive, but I, I don't understand racist people. I just, they have no. weird minds. Yep. Anyway. So the wolf letter was stolen from the archives at Dalhousie University. Mm. And he Do you call it Dalhousie or Dalhousie? I say Dalhousie. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I say Dalhousie, but I could be wrong. I've always just known as Dalhousie. Or just Dal. Yeah, let's just call it Dal. <laughs> call it, we'll shorten it to Dal. Yeah. So we don't have to talk about how to pronounce this word. Okay. He first showed up at Dal, posing as a scholar researching shipping in Nova Scotia. He befriended the founding archivist, a guy named Charles Armour, and would go with him into the stacks, which I think is unusual for people who don't work at the archive. Yep. But this is how he learned the layout of the place and became a little bit more familiar with their collection. Mm-hmm. And when it finally came time for Tillman to go to work, he lifted a key... And then hid in the bathroom until really late mm -hmm. so he could just have the whole night to take his time going through the archive huh. and just stuffing stacks full of or stuffing sacks full of whatever. Sacks full of stacks? Sacks full of stacks. Stacks. <laughs> stacks of sacks. <laughs> Katya might have accompanied him on this nighttime heist. Because later in life, Tillman told a story about being so excited about finding the Wolf and Washington letters that the two of them had sex right there in the archive. Wow. Again, could be more mythologizing. Yeah. After That's so hot. Yeah. <laughs> I love the smell of moldy, musty letters. Mm -hmm, exactly. Oh, 1758, you say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pushes all my buttons. <laughs> some people, some people do that for wine. <laughs> He wasn't a drinker. No. After Tillman's crimes were discovered, people wondered how the archive and other institutions didn't know that they'd even been robbed. Michael Mossberger, who works at the Dal Archive, explains it like this. Quote, our collection is over seven kilometers long. I know. <laughs> In file folders where you have hundreds of textual materials, there's no way to identify that two or three were missing. End quote. Mm-hmm. So it's just a lot of stuff. And if it's not indexed and it's stuff you don't look at every day, you're not going to know that it's even missing. Tillman himself was maybe a little bewildered by his own success. In 2011, he published a video tour of his house in which some of the stuff he stole was in full view of the camera, including wow. a painting by W.H. York estimated to be worth between thirty and $40,000. 
Moreover, the Halifax Chronicle Herald published a profile on his house in 2008, which also featured pictures in which stolen goods were on display. It's all out there for God and everyone to see, but (laughs) no one ever put it together. Tillman might have been a good art and antique thief, but he was a bit of a shit otherwise. We went over a little bit of this. He spent time in jail for attacking his ex. He made indecent phone calls. He got caught shoplifting jugs of water. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because I think he's just a klepto. Yeah, probably. Um, And he was charged with attempted murder after attacking his mother. Oh, is it first accomplice? His first accomplice. But those charges were dropped after she died of natural Mm -hmm. causes. He attacked her with a pencil. Oh, lovely. Yeah. So Tillman pleaded guilty to possession of stolen property property and about 40 other charges and was sentenced to nine years in prison. While inside, he gave interviews and he even scored a publishing deal. Okay. (laughs) His incarceration didn't deflate his ego. Quote, I don't want to be cast as a villain, end quote. This was a jailhouse interview he gave. Uh, in which he goes on to say that he was admired by his fellow inmates and he'd sign the occasional autograph. He seemed, this guy is a total narcissist. Oh, big time. And then yeah. he says here, yes, it is breaking the law. I'm reasonable enough to understand that you can't be allowed to do that and get away with it. The positive comments make me feel like it won't be held against me forever. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> so while Tillman was signing autographs and writing his book... The police were busy tracking down the owners of some 10,000 stolen items. Oh, my God. Can you imagine them being in the house and being like, oh, for fuck's sake. But, like, the the shit he had in his house, that's not even everything he stole because he did sell or fence a bunch of it also. So they got not only do they have to track down the owners of what's in the house, but also other stuff that he had sold over the years. He's a busy thief. 10,000 items. That's That's a a lot. lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And this stuff wasn't all paintings and letters. Tillman had walked off with a lemon squeezer, a brass telescope, (laughs) a steam engine. He even stole a family heirloom, an old wooden chair from a 100-year-old man. Oh, what a surprise. What a dick. He is a dick. And I said he didn't drink, but that didn't stop him from stealing expensive bottles of wine. He just wanted to have his own stuff. Yeah. But again, like he just because he he says it was, you know, it was this connection to history. So that's why he'd take like weird things that maybe meant something to the owners, but didn't have any real financial value. Right. Because there's a personal historical connection there. Mm -hmm. Constable Daryl Morgan spent six full days visiting Tillman in prison with a catalog of the stolen goods. And to his surprise, Tillman remembered where a lot of it had come from. But one of the more challenging items to track down and return was, get this, an original edition of Charles Darwin's On the Origin of Species. Oh, wow. Yeah. He stole it from the Mount Library. And I don't know how he did it. It was in a sealed glass box. And there's no details about what happened. What happened. Yeah. After he'd stolen the book, he kept it on his bookshelf for a while. (laughs) Just... You know, just another Hanging book out. on the shelf. Yeah. yeah. And then he sold it to a guy who then auctioned it at Sotheby's. 
So a bit of a scandal for Sotheby's. Yeah, really, eh? <laughs> wow. And for the hundreds of items that were never claimed, the RCMP invited museums from Atlantic Canada to like this sort of yard sale, except everything was just given away for free. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you like it, if it fits in your collection, you're free to take it with you. Wow. So Tillman was granted day parole in 2005 and then full, sorry, 2015. 2015. Okay. We're going back in time. What is like, what is it you and dates today? You are just know, not I'm nailing just, it. <sighs> I can't be a hundred percent all the time. Well, are you sure it's a hundred percent? Cause you, your numbers are so <laughs> off. <laughs> day parole, 2015, full parole in 2016. So if he went to prison in 2013 and got sentenced to nine years. Yeah, he basically did no time. He did like three. Yeah. (laughs) When asked if he would steal again, Tillman said, quote, it's not worth it in the end. I've had a great experience. I've had some great memories that I'll take to my grave. I've lived well. I've been in beautiful spots. I've held history in my hands, priceless objects. I have great memories and I can live those now. I don't need to go back out and do anything like that again, end quote. Yeah, I'm sure he probably like walked out with someone's watch. <laughs> yeah, right. One final score. Yeah. <laughs> so after his parole, he kind of fell off the map. His book, which was supposed to be released in March of this year, 2019, for anyone listening in the future, it got pulled last fall, probably because he was a white supremacist. But according to the publisher, quote, there was no dispute over the proceeds. They were always going to go to charity. We weren't the right publisher for Tillman, and that is why we canceled the book, end quote. Mm -hmm. And it was going to be like a bit of an expose. That's what he said. And I guess like the story of the thefts told from his point of view. Oh. We'll never know. Hmm. And then the next anyone ever heard from or about Tillman was his death announcement. As I said, he died in late December 2018 in, and I'm not going to pronounce this properly, Musquadoboit Harbor. <laughs> How'd he die? You know what? Nobody knows. What do you mean nobody knows? The information was never made public. Aww. Which is why people thought he wasn't dead. I just don't understand like, how that can't be kind of public record. I don't know. I don't like that. There's just all this mystery surrounding his death and there are no answers. And it's so frustrating. That's very intriguing. And that's where the story ends. Hmm. Begins and ends with his death. Yeah. Jerk face. There's very circular. Yeah. Jerk face McGee dies. Yeah. (laughs) Very well told, Rachel. (laughs) I like the circular element of this one. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. So we'll skip over uh, our jurisprudence lesson. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what I would cover in this. Maybe pleading guilty. How to plead guilty. I I did it. (laughs) Is that how you do it? Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) So we'll head right into a stupid crime. This guy was pretty slick. I got a story here of someone who maybe wasn't quite so slick. Uh, This happened in Missouri. A suspect wanted for possession of drugs of some description. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he or she, I think it was a dude running from the cops and they're looking for him. They don't know where he is. 
he lets out a massive fart that gives away his position. And that's how he got caught. Ouch. Uh, goes to show don't have that burrito right (laughs) you gotta start taking care of your body Mm -hmm. inside and no thyself (laughs) all right well i at least have a stupid or a a law for you stupid okay or a law have you ever uh, we're still on the east coast theme kind of so let's um let's journey over to halifax sure it's a hop skip and a jump from fall river You're going to flag down a taxi? Yeah, I got I got somewhere to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I my Uber app doesn't work. Yeah, and um, let's pretend you get in this taxi and he's like smelly and he's got like ketchup stains down his shirt Ew. and he is like gross. Um, that's actually against the bylaw. Really? In Halifax, yeah. You must maintain a high standard of personal hygiene, a neat, clean, and professional appearance for taxi drivers in Halifax. I'm amazed that it's an actual buy. Like, I can understand it being like, you know, within the company, there mm-hmm. are standards, but that it's in fact a bylaw in the city yep. of Halifax. Mm-hmm. Good for them. Because mm-hmm. you don't want to get into a stinky cab with a stinky driver. I know, right? Yeah. So there you go. That's all I got. Awesome. Well, that's all I got. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, Rachel. I really. <laughs> enjoyed this experience yeah you sound at, like at it. the at the last second <laughs> i promise to be more forthcoming in the future about our topics yeah i appreciate it <laughs> it would help with you know the professionalism element if there was one to begin with right. which i'm not really sure about well, but we're, still, we're still working on our professional code of conduct uh, i think we'll always be working on it right maybe we need someone to enforce a bylaw make us get our shit together yeah right <laughs> we'd be so screwed so why don't you um get some people to get in touch with us yeah if you would like to get in touch with us please do so you can email us at truenorthcrimepod at gmail.com you can also find us on facebook at true north crime pod and uh, we love to hear from you guys over on Facebook. And you can tweet us if you're just not into Facebook, if that's just not your thing, at TNC underscore POD. And we had a really nice email from some dude. I don't remember his name, but thanks, guy. <laughs> <laughs> he knows who he is. He does. <laughs> Until next time, I've been Rachel. And I've been Shelly. Stay safe out there. Yep. And if you're going to be an art thief, don't be a jerk. <laughs>